It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. We're here another episode of Frontline Fridays with my regular guest and special guest, Bridget Gleason. Bridget, how are you doing today? Good morning, Andy. I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Um, a little jet lagged. Just got off a plane, I think, at uh, a little after midnight last night. And it's it's early in the morning here today. So, uh, yeah, a little, little blurry eye, but otherwise not too bad. I don't I don't miss those heavy travel uh, travel days from East Coast to West Coast, West Coast to East Coast. That can take its toll. Drink some good strong coffee. Yeah, if I were a coffee drinker, I would do that. Yeah, no, but it was one of those situations, sort of ironic, where I got to the meetings, uh, got away a little bit earlier than I anticipated yesterday. I got to the airport. There was an earlier flight. I got on the earlier flight. It was going to save me about two hours getting home to New York. And it was delayed for an hour and a half. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you weren't meant to get there any. You weren't meant to get to New York any earlier than you did. That's right. I got there about twenty-five minutes earlier than I would have with the last flight. So anyway, that's what happened. So uh, all right, today we're going to talk about something that's that uh, again sort of stimulated from a conference you and I were just at recently, the Saster conference, where a lot of great, great content uh, presented about the SaaS sales model, the specialized sales model, the predictable revenue sales model, whatever you want to label, you want to put to it. And a guy was sitting next to me in the audience who had worked in the business and and was looking for a new assignment at a VP level and was just sort of fretting that perhaps already that maybe this this revenue model, the the specialized sales with SDRs, banging the phones, banging email to set up meetings for the AEs and so on as we've gone through the progression in our previous talks is that you know maybe we're in danger of breaking that model, right? That we're just exhausting the potential prospects with sort of masses of undifferentiated communications, you know, emails, voicemails, and so on. And, and if that's the case, then, then what's, what's going to be next? And so I thought maybe we could spend some time talking about, you know, is this a danger of breaking the sales model and not immediately, but, you know, at some point here. And if we do, what what is next? What is the next way? Or what can we do in addition to what we're doing today to sort of uh, help us be more effective getting our message through? Yeah, well, I think we are going to break the model. I think that's the only way we make progress is if we keep breaking the model, breaking the model, breaking the model. Things change, the model breaks. So I sort of agree with him that that... I think we will break the model. And I already, to his point, wow, people are, our prospects are just under a barrage of email and phone calls and all of these things that it's, it's, it is harder and harder to get through. As I've uh, been here at my desk for the last uh, half hour, Andy, I've gotten three calls I can see them coming in on my cell phone of numbers that I don't recognize <laughs> that I don't that I don't I don't pick up I don't answer right. I don't return I don't so I think it is going to get it is getting harder and harder and I'm I don't know what the next sort of wave will be of what it looks like 
but I think the challenge, I, I don't think the specialization, I don't think that will go away anytime soon. But I do think what we do within those roles will continue to evolve. And so you're, you're, you had a qualifier, you called it, you know, the undifferentiated mm-hmm. males. And I think that's the first thing that needs to change is how do we make sure that our emails are differentiated rather yeah, than yeah. undifferentiated and that our phone calls are differentiated and how do we get through? But if we're sending undifferentiated, we're, we're not going to get through. We're going we're gonna to have very, very low success rates. Yeah, so let me just paint a picture. So at this conference we're at, there was a growing number, I mean, more than I'd seen in the last year, of companies that are selling a, a software service that's geared to help your sales teams be more productive, your sales development teams be more productive. And gosh, there are easily a dozen companies there that fundamentally start doing the same thing, give your sales development reps the opportunity or the the tools to be able to you know set up a cadence of contacts of you know mixed mixed media in terms of voice and social touches and and email touches and oftentimes integrated with a database or multiple databases that uh, enable them to identify a list of contacts and they're all all these companies were talking about the need to capture certain logos right we're going to identify a hundred or a thousand logos that we want to get that between all of them are probably pretty much the same a thousand logos and so i was just sitting there thinking about potential prospects and potential buyers at the receiving end of these dozen companies at let's say a thousand a thousand different firms just being was that blasted with email and voicemail and social touches and so on and and how do they how do they make any sense out of what they're what they're receiving given sort of the flood of what's happening and i think this is being replicated in in market segment after market segment yeah i'm i'm familiar with a lot of the tools and i agree that just the number the volume of them that, that's coming out is uh staggering and they are designed to help a sales development rep or a sales rep create like you said this cadence of touches the i mean what's interesting as you were talking i was thinking about the data that points to the fact that people don't respond on the first touch, the second touch, even the third touch. It's often the seventh touch or the ninth touch or the eleventh touch. And these tools help schedule and coordinate those so that you don't have to remember on the list that you're going after, okay, this one is touch three today, oh, this one is touch four, and this one is touch two, and it's a phone call and an email. So they really help with the scheduling I wonder, as you're saying, Andy, God, is that number, if it's seven or nine, a year from now, are you and I going to be sitting here saying, well, now it's 17 and 19 <laughs> before, well, you, before you get through? Yeah, and don't mistake me. I would have killed for one of these tools when I was at the early stages of my career. I mean, oh my goodness, I, I'm so envious of sales development reps and account execs and the tools and technologies that are available and I mean, I use some of them now, but I mean, I was thinking of the day when I was, you know, doing sort of the sales development rep equivalent role. Um, but, you know, if I could also see in the segments that I was in that, yeah, I, I always knew who my seven to 10 
competitors were and i was just thinking god back in those days if we had been <laughs> we had been blasting and the you know potential buyers with, with this level of communications yeah they just would have they would have turned us all off right um so how how do we sort of move beyond this sort of realm because i think when we talk about it takes nine touches or you know there's stats that say it's 23 touches which i think you know is probably too many uh not sure i believe that stat but let's say it's seven to nine touches where you get through it's it's really to some degree isn't the sales development role almost more of a brand awareness type role well i mean what's interesting andy is oftentimes now sales development reports into marketing well in so some I've cases seen... that could make sense because you know you basically exactly. you basically are advertising to a certain degree exactly. i've sort of contended that for a while so i i've seen again i've seen it report into marketing um in our case it does report into sales but yes yeah, sometimes it's brand awareness what i've what i've started here at sumo logic we've got those tools we use yesware we use outreach and they make it very easy to i mean we call it here scorch the earth make it very easy just to get so many people pissed off that you're <laughs> at, least, at least you're open about it <laughs> oh dear yes we are uh, we're open and i'll look at the the number of emails that reps are sending. And when I see it's really high, that's actually a red flag for me that this cannot possibly be a meaningful, these, these, these thousand cannot possibly be meaningful. And what we're encouraging uh, reps to do is to send, use it as a scheduling tool. Use it to schedule, but send fewer and have each one be meaningful. So of the seven touches, take the time crafting the seven messages that will go to that individual and spend time on that and use, and, and where you're going to save time is that it will automatically send them for you when it needs to. So really think of it as a scheduling tool as, a, as opposed to a blasting tool. The thing that I think where we're going to see a lot of um, progress, we're already seeing it. In fact, there was one guy at the conference, Andy, who had come to um, the panel that I was on and literally followed, just wanted to get time with me. And I had sort of a busy schedule while I was there. But finally, at the end of the day, he got a few minutes with me. And he's an entrepreneur. And he's part of, I think, um, Y Combinator, Techstars, mm -hmm. one of mm -hmm. these. And he's got a product that will crawl your email, crawl your LinkedIn. Cra it's crawling. I don't know all the sources it's calling crawling because we didn't have a lot of time. But it will identify in the company that you're trying to get into, here's your the strongest connection where we think you can get in. And it's through your... Uh, you, you, someone in product development knows somebody XYZ and also looks at influence. So I think there are going to be more tools that will help you identify where there's a real connection and to leverage that connection to, to, to get into an account and to start a conversation. I think that's kind of where we're going to cut through the noise is where is there a real connection yeah, because I I think that that one of the take if we take a step back and and I agree and I want to pursue this with in terms of what what new tools or what new approaches are coming that that might help you be 
more precise in your targeting and more differentiated in, in your approach. But it seems like one of the, the conundrums that exists is that, and in the SaaS space, but in general, anybody that's using SDRs to drive appointments and demos and so on for account execs is that on one hand, there's talk about metrics that are activity metrics, and you were fielding some of these questions yourself in your panel and the panel before you at the conference you and I were at recently. You know, how many contacts should the SDRs be making per day? How many meetings should they be yielding off of those? those uh, how many sales conversations yield certain meetings and so on what are those metrics that are really quantity focused and yet on the other hand people were sort of giving what i'm going to generously sort of term lip service to this idea of personalizing the communications that take place within the structure of those fairly rigorous activity metrics it seems like the two don't really don't really meet so when you said yeah we we want to have people focus more on quality and maybe do fewer that seems like a, a pretty logical and sound thing to do if you can improve the odds of actually getting through. But it doesn't seem like that's really the, the general trend. Well, I think a lot gets lost in a lot gets lost in translation. So people will ask a very specific question about how many do you need to do to get I think what you really have to pay attention to is what's the result you're looking for. And gosh, for me is if 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 my reps can be doing fewer activities and they're more quality activities and get a better result. That's what I'd rather they do. And I'll tell you, even here at Sumo Logic, that message gets lost, that it's one that has to be continually uh, reinforced and talked about because I know there are still reps on the floor that feel like she just wants activity, activity, activity. And I'm trying to have some balance between an expectation of activity in order to achieve a particular result. And it's, it's, it's a balance looking at both and they change, Andy, they change. This is not a set and forget. It's something you have to continually be looking at. And I think also looking at different reps, um, they're, they're, conversion rates are going to be different and conversion rates between the emails that I send and the somebody re- replying or getting a first meeting and so you want to you want to have it be pretty individualized also within a range individualized as to what uh, how many activities you expect to get a certain result mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well it seems sort of interesting too is that that I just wonder whether the experience of a lot of SaaS companies can be translated in, into sort of the broader markets because, I mean, at least at the this conference we're at, and I, and I was talking to dozens of, of different companies that were in attendance and exhibiting as well, and and interestingly, as they tended to be a little bit, not a little bit, they tended to be largely oriented to selling to other tech or tech-enabled companies. And so it seems like, <laughs> it seems like, Everybody's sort of using the same techniques on each other to sell to, you know, the sort of, I don't want to say incestuous, but somewhat incestuous community. And that, you know, maybe the problem is worse there than it might be, you know, in manufacturing or, you know, retail services industries or some some other B2B segments that were less, that were less tech-focused. Tech I mean, what, what's your thought on that? God, that's so funny. I think you're... I think you're correct. I think when we get outside the little bubble that we're in, uh, and the bubble, I mean, 
sort of the early adopters around tech and these tools and that you find that there's a huge part of the population that is not using these tools, is not the recipient of, of some of these uh, tactics and techniques. Um, so I think it starts here in a little bubble and then it just starts to it just starts to spread to spread outward. I'd be surprised though if while some of these, like you said, these manufacturing uh, companies, they may not be using the techniques and these tools. But my, I, I'd be I'd be hard pressed to believe that they're not the recipient of the recipient of them. Because yeah, we're all sell, we're kind of selling to tech, but there's still a lot of there's still a lot of to, uh, products and services that are trying to disrupt some more traditional. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Traditional. Yeah, I, I think that I was, I was maybe talking on a scale basis, right? Because yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> because. You know, SaaS companies that that come out that have these great tools, the first place they tend to sell them are going to be these early adopters, which in turn tend to be sort of, like I said, tech or tech-enabled companies that you know are more likely to be early adopters. And and I think that that uh, I guess made the point I was trying to make is if you can find a way to send a differentiated message or to have a methodology that that breaks through the noise within that tech bubble, then it's going to translate really well into the world at large. Well, I mean, the other thing, I mean, it's sort of interesting. We're, I've, I've seen this and we're also doing some of it ourselves, is doing more direct mail. Yeah. That was It so, works, right? It works. I mean, where before direct mail stopped working because it was really ubiquitous, you got too much junk mail, you just threw it out. Where now people will, they'll actually pay attention to it because you don't get as much of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I've just been reading a, a fascinating book by uh, a guy who's going to be a guest on the show for people that uh, regular listeners is a gentleman named Stu Heineke that written a book about how to get a meeting with anybody, and it's all about how he's not just he, but talking about how people successfully use what he calls contact marketing, which is yeah, how do you how do you do a very focused outreach to a very small number of people that you think are going to be extremely influential and transformative on your business, perhaps CEOs of, of 10 logos that you really want to capture. And he talks about how he's built his business and fairly successfully. He happens to be a cartoonist and he sends a personal cartoon that he creates to somebody, to a CEO. You know, talk about a very differentiated message. Now, it doesn't scale, but in his case, he's selling to large enterprises. And if he gets through to the CEO, which he claims in his case, he has a 100% response rate on those. It's a smaller number, but 100% response rate gets meetings. The impact is huge. It's I, I know Stu Heineke, and I've seen a lot of his work. That's right. You were quoted in the book. As a matter of fact, uh, well, I think that's right. I was quoted in the book. <laughs> yes, not too much. Yes, I read I your was, name. I was also a recipient of some of Stu Heineke's um, postcards and the cartoons and something. It's just eye catching. It's different. I'm not used to getting it. It's it's personalized. It's re- it was relevant to me. So it definitely got my attention. I can see why he's doing it. And again, it it it. It's not scalable in the way that some of the other things are scalable, but boy, super effective. You're trying to get into a CEO and you get in, boy, that's a great, 
that could that could yield huge revenue potential with just one one response. Yeah, I think yeah. that if you do it in a sense where you have or do it in a situation where you have greater leverage, right? I mean, if you're selling to a small, medium-sized business, you know, doing yeah. this to and you have small transaction sizes, doing this to CEOs probably isn't going to help your business. But if you've got if you're a smaller company, you want to sell into large enterprise, and you're able to get in front of ten CEOs and you got an order from one of them, it could transform your company completely. Definitely. So yeah, he'll be an interesting guest. Yeah, yeah, very. Very interesting speaking with them. So, so that's an example of one. Is is another company, and we'll just sort of segue into other methods, perhaps that that might evolve that can sort of help. Um, and again, maybe don't scale completely. They're not complete replacements by any means for for what you're doing from a, a sales development perspective, but perhaps could help. Is um, you know new, relatively new service out called Outro. Used to be called Quota Deck. Um, not sure if you're familiar with them, but basically where you, they provide, uh, you're basically crowdsourcing warm introductions to people. So you've always had crowdsourced leads before with jigsaw.com, which became data.com, now part of Salesforce. But now start sort of taking that a step forward where um, you can crowdsource these warm introductions to people that specifically relevant to what you want. Um it's sort of a double opt-in system so that um, maybe you have a, a contact on a network that has a, somebody that you want to speak to is, is a very formal way they go through to ask if that person would be open to talking to you. So I said there's, it's all permission-based, but suddenly you're facilitating introductions to people that have a very specific need and want for what you want through, a, trust, through a trusted source. What is that called? It's called Outro, O-U-T-R-O. Yeah, it's so interesting. I'm not familiar with them. And again, going back to this conference, I met someone at the conference who uh, early on at LinkedIn and was talking about, God, wouldn't it be great if you could, he was he was essentially talking about this concept, just having some some place where you could have these warm, warm introductions, double opt in that watch Andy. Next time you and I talk, maybe not the next time, at a future episode, we are going to be talking about the number of companies like this that facilitate these warm introductions. <laughs> I, I just think that's that's where we're that's where we're headed. Well, yeah, and it's it's I think it's very powerful. And so if if people want to hear more about that, uh, actually, the CEO of that company, uh, a gentleman named Bubba Page, was on my February 11th podcast. So I urge people to. Uh, do a little cross-promotion, cross-selling here, urge people to go back and listen to that where he describes exactly how that system works. And I think it's, again, it's another great tool to have in your your toolkit if you're uh, trying to reach certain people and, and you don't just want to go through the conventional means that you're using now of sending out some volumes of emails or even trying to do conventional LinkedIn connections. Yeah, it's funny. LinkedIn at a time, I mean, I, I still, we use LinkedIn a lot. And I think it's a super valuable tool. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting even how that has changed just over time because a lot of times that your LinkedIn connections, you don't even know the person. I get a lot of, of LinkedIn requests from people who I don't know or I don't know how they know me. So even that has become a little more watered down than it was. And Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot more watered down than it was. Yeah, yeah. I think we, I think that area is ripe for some disruption 
as well, like some of these that you're talking about. Outros, very, very interesting to me. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, to your point, if you have more than, it's interesting in the early days, LinkedIn was, remember their message was very clear. Don't connect with somebody if you don't know them, right? Um, now it's like the opposite. You know, I know somebody that has 50,000 connections. It's like, oh my word. Right. I mean, I, wow. I, I think I have 2,500 and I, yeah, I don't, I'm guilty of that. I don't know those, most of those people. I mean, it's people that have connected with me because they've seen something I've written or listened to a podcast or something, but, um, so there's some connection, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not very personal, right? Yeah. Again, it's, it's, it's that sort of segment is ripe for some disruption and iteration. Yeah. So, so what else are you guys doing to that in your own business that uh, at Sumo that help you personalize the outreach that help you sort of break through the the noise, if you will? Well, I think again, God, I feel like we're we're going backwards in time. So, you know, direct mail and mail is helpful. Good old fashioned community meetups and outreach and the meeting people personally. So knowing where your prospective buyer is going to be hanging out, and I don't mean uh, what uh, restaurant or bar do they hang out at, but what events are they going to? Mm-hmm. And what, what potential events could we hold that would be interesting to them? Not to do a sales pitch, but to have an interesting topic and something that's relevant. So things like that are very, very important also, we, we do a lot with partners and through the channel. So um, just, again, a channel, oftentimes there are people that already have a relationship with a prospect. And if we can bring value to that, we definitely try to leverage those relationships as well. So I think it's, it's a lot going back to direct mail. And then where, where can we find a relationship or tie-in that, that will help uh, open the door for us to have a meaningful conversation. And I think that's really the key. And, and we're sort of going to be wrapping up here in the next couple of minutes is, is when you go through all this talk about, you know, quantities of emails and voicemails and the tools that are available. And if you look at the things we talked about today and the ones you just were speaking about yourself for Sumo Logic it has to do with the person to person contact. And we do really want to, and I think increasingly in sales, we're getting to have to get back to the fact that at the end of the day, it's about a person to a person. And that's where you establish those meaningful contacts, meaningful relationships. And you can automate all you want. And there's lots of ways where you want to automate a lot of your processes and sales and so on. But at the end of the day, even with an automated process, when a customer has to make that decision, you know, unless that's a, you know, they're buying it online, it's a person talking to a person is going to be the differentiator. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, it still comes down to kind of that re- that relationship and rapport and that connection. So trust with, with with trust, yeah, absolutely. That's that's always going to be a critical factor. It's just how do you how do you establish that? I think that's what changes and has changed over time, and will probably continue to change. Yeah, and I would and I would contend, and I I do contend that that when it comes to this, if you consider sort of the formula that I sort of like to summarize that uh, Bob Berg wrote about in his book, The Go-Giver Formula. You know, people buy from people they know, like, and trust. You know, there's a limit to how much you can build 
this rapport that sort of represents the, let's say, the like and the no and the trust virtually. And at some point, you know, in some cycles and certain products you can, but a lot of times in the business-to-business space, which is primarily what we talk about here, at some point a person has to talk to a person, and that's going to be the decisive moment. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining me again. As always, it's been so much fun to talk with you, and I hope everybody out there has enjoyed it as well today. This has been another episode of Frontline Friday on Accelerate with my guest, special guest and friend, Bridget Gleason. And uh, Bridget, we're going to look forward to talking to you again next week. And likewise, have a great Friday and weekend, Andy. All right. And everybody, same to everybody out there. And we'll talk to everybody again soon. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today.